Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hey everybody, this is Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I'm your host, Tom Sutton. What's the time? It's time to get ill. Yeah, um, I missed last week, but we're going to talk about it all tonight. Um, I want to start by talking about Jedi Survivor. Um, the trailer for the second installment of this series, uh, the story trailer, sorry, there had already been one. Uh, but yeah, the story trailer dropped like three days ago and pff, it looks awesome. <laughs> it really looks amazing. Um, really good. Like, uh, it's set five years after Fallen Order. So, um, you actually, uh, it, you get like really like new looks for all the characters, which is cool. Grease has got these like long plaited sideburn things. Seer looks good with the shaved head. I'm digging that. Um, uh, it looks really, really cool. Um, you know, we've seen another, we saw a gameplay trailer, we saw um, nine minutes of gameplay, I think, from IGN. Uh, yeah, it looks like, although like gameplay-wise, it's all the stuff that you liked about the first one, plus a bunch of um, new fun things, which is cool to see. Visually, it looks amazing. It's just like, uh, so I'm re replaying Fallen Order again. Um and it's just, like, it's easy to forget how much amazing stuff there is in the game. And it just just keeps going and going and going. Um, there's just, like, cool moment after cool moment. And, um, you know, watching this trailer, I really thought, like, some of the, those um, environments looked super cool. Um, there's this scene where there's, like, I don't know. I think some people know what they're called. But anyway, like thugs threatening this little frog guy. And I was, I think the entire internet went like, no, leave little frog guy alone. Um, so I look forward to standing up for frog guy. Um, apparently the head thug in that um, thing is the same species as Dirge from the original 2D Clone Wars series which will be very interesting um if you haven't seen it he's basically like they're basically like bubblegum <laughs> they can take any form pretty much or it's like it's like a it's like a, a physicality made of like sentient spaghetti i don't know how else, how else to describe it but it's um yeah that's probably gonna be something cool um, this, uh, new friend, Bo, I think his name is, he seems pretty cool. And what's cool is like, you, so you, it looks like you can team up with Marin, the night sister, who you, you know, you kind of make friends with in the first game. Um, and I think you can also, you have scenes where you can f kind of fight with him as well. I don't know how, like, mechanic, how the mechanics of that will work, but, um... Uh, that looks really fun and really cool. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, there's a character, you saw him in the, in the tank, um, in kind of, uh, stasis in the first trailer. Um, he's wearing kind of goldish robes, which, um, leads Star Wars commentators to believe that 
He is um, a, 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 a High Republic-era Jedi who has um, gone into hibernation or whatever for some reason and come out and found the galaxy under the boot of the Empire and is not very uh, happy about it. Um, he's, which, you know, puts him on the same team as Cal and the gang, but he seems to be mad at Cal <laughs> for having let this happen. So I guess he will be some kind of... Um, opponent adversary in the game um so yeah that's uh, gonna be interesting yeah when i think about how much cool stuff there was in the first game and i just like think like it's gonna be like that and then more yeah i can't wait um, in preparation for that, as I mentioned, I'm replaying Fallen Order. But I'm also reading the um, the bridging novel, Battle Scars, which is set between the two. Um, I was uh, pretty into the idea of this book because I love these characters. Um, I saw certain people online got... Um, early review copies and uh, the reactions were very positive. I heard an interview with the, uh, the author, Sam Meggs. She seems fantastic, like really passionate, really excited to be writing Meryn, um, who she um, has a real affinity with. So <laughs> I'm a bit sad to report that I don't think it's very good, to be honest. Um, it just feels, it feels fan fiction-ish. Um, I don't know. It. I think that there's a lot of this kind of thing where there's like, there's too much spice on stuff, as if the author is trying to make it interesting and dramatic. But it's, it's like putting ketchup on everything. It's just like. I don't need more of this, you know, and it just feels like, because it's not a long book and then it feels like it's this constant, like every f step in the physical world is then followed by like three paragraphs of what the character was thinking about that thing. So it's like, Cal flicked a switch. He knew all about switches. He'd flicked a few switches in his time. It reminded him of flicking switches black back on Bracca. And it just felt like, it to me, it feels like they kind of had a pretty thin plot and just were padding it out, basically. So it's cool. Like, I mean, the, I'm almost halfway through it. Maybe I'll enjoy it more and more as the plot kind of revs up. But... um. You know, after reading four High Republic books and only enjoying one of them, I basically said to myself, um, okay, it's time to just learn my lesson here. There are literally thousands of books out there, thousands of great books out there even, and I don't need to be reading like pulp Star Wars novels really. Um, but this one really like interested me because I thought, oh, that's so nice that it um, bridges these two games and it will be nice to know what has happened between then and now. Um, and I think it will be nice to know what's happened between then and now. Um, 
but uh, yeah, let's see. Maybe maybe I'll start to enjoy it more and more as it goes on. Let's see. Um, other Star Wars stuff I've been doing. Um, I really, you know, when I decorated my apartment in Sweden, um, it was, of course, over a period of at least a year or so. And I kind of, when I moved into this new place, I kind of was like, all right, cool, I'm going to do it, going to set out my place. And I kind of forgot how long it takes because it's, you know, I'm taking the Ingvi Malmsteen uh, approach of more is more. Amanda, if you're listening, more is more, right? <laughs> Amanda, my lovely, wonderful friend. Um, she's a more is more uh, advocate. And when I was <laughs> feeling a bit unsure about, you know, maybe I had gone a bit over the top, she, was, uh, she would always encourage me to, don't stop now. Keep on more is mooring. Um, so, yeah, I've been, uh, you know, postering... I'm actually, like, the walls are concrete, so I'm having to drill into the wall to uh, hang, to put, like, hooks and stuff in, which, like, gives me anxiety because then I'm just like, what happens when I sell the apartment and there's all these hooks everywhere and people, I'm like, dude, you just, just do it, man. You need Cliff Burton framed pictures on your wall. You do. You need a framed Hellhammer picture with, that has a demon with his dick out on it. You just, you need it, Tom. So just go for it. Um, also, like the figures. Oh, my God. This is like driving me crazy. So the bigger ones, they have fallen into, like they've found their space nicely. I'm really happy with where they are. They look cool. Um, but I've been trying to figure out how all the 3.75-inch, you know, classic scale figures where they're supposed to go i bought these like cd racks because i couldn't fit them in the cd shelves that i had so i needed a bit more cd space and i thought oh i can put the, the you know put the cds on the bottom half of those and then put the figures in the the top ones that's going to look cool and it is cool but then it's just like now oh, i'm running out of room there and then yeah it's it'll all fit together eventually and then i'll wander around my apartment saluting my cool uh, decorations <laughs> and Star Wars figures and all will be well. Um, yep, that's it now. I guess... Um, oh, no, hang on, hang on. A bit of news, but we're, we're going we're to get to The Mandalorian and Bad Batch, of course. We're getting there. Uh, but a bit of news. Seriously, like... I've said it before, I guess. I've always kind of defended Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy. You know, there's plenty of dickheads online who just, to me, it just reeks of misogyny the way that they go after Kathleen Kennedy. And I just want them to get fucked, basically. Um, but it just, <laughs> it's getting to the point where I'm starting to feel just like, Maybe there is a problem. Um, and the reason I say that is that, uh, I mean, I'm not going to list it all now. If you're a Star Wars nerd, you know, and if you're not that much of a Star Wars nerd, then you probably don't need to hear it all. But um, there is a massive list of uh, projects that have 
been announced and then disappeared or um, creatives who have been announced to be making something who have then quit or had their projects cancelled. Um, it really is like it, it is a list of, I think, more than 10 movies at this point that have been announced and then disappeared. And if you add like the Disney Plus stuff like Lando and the Rangers of the New Republic, I mean, I reckon it's at least a dozen projects that have been announced that we're, we're never, probably never going to see. Um, and the, light, the, sea, the apparent light at the end of the tunnel was um, a film being written by David Lindelof. If you don't know who that is, he was part of the Lost creative team. And the thing that he has done that I have loved the most was the Watchmen TV series, which I reckon was one of the best TV shows of recent uh, years. It was uh, an absolute cracker. Loved it. So, um, yeah, he was apparently writing a movie. It was going to be directed by someone some woman I, I can't remember her name anyway um and it sounded like it was happening and it it seemed like that was going somewhere and would probably be the film you know because they said there's going to be a film in 2025 would probably probably be the film that gets released in that year and would probably be the, the film that is um, kind of announced more publicly at Star Wars Celebration next month. Um, quite reputable sites like Variety have now announced that Lindelof has left the project. Um, also, he was interviewed recently and had some comments that really made it sound like he was no longer involved or was I mean, paraphrasing is dangerous because I could probably misquote him, but he basically said when it's something that you um, kind of treasure as much as Star Wars, if it ain't good, then don't do it. And he said... Um, basically... This is my favorite food. Star Wars is like my favorite food, and I'm I don't I'm wondering should I really be cooking? Perhaps I should just be eating. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it does seem like he's off that. Uh, the good news, I think this just broke today. Actually, apparently they found a replacement already, which is. Um, one of the head writers or the showrunner or something. Sorry, don't listen to this for like accurate news, you guys. <laughs> I try to be accurate as much as I can, but I'm not going to sit here and Google everything just so I have it right, you know. Basically, the, the one of the Peaky Blinders guys is apparently picking, picking up where Lindelof left off. Um, which sounds cool, man. Like, uh, I haven't watched that much Peaky Blinders, probably four or five episodes or something, but it's it's quality. It's good. Um, good that this, whatever this is, isn't just sinking into the sea. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. But it does really 
make you wonder, like, what is going on? And I've said it on the podcast before. I don't envy them. I think this is a near impossible impossible task to come up with a um, like a lengthy plan for Star Wars uh, on the big screen. Like, yeah, you can chuck chuck in a, a Rogue Squadron with Patty Jenkins. It's like low risk. It seems like a fun movie. You, you put it in one of the already established um, periods. Um, X-Wings, TIE Fighters, good times. Um, you're not risking too much there. Uh, but actually doing something post-Episode 9 that's going to uh, try to set up the next 10, 15, even 20 years of uh, Star Wars big screen storytelling, you could wave like 10 million bucks in front of my nose and say, come up with something, Tom, and I'm not sure I could. Um, so I really hope it figures itself out at some point. Um, you know, I hear some people going like, who even cares? Like Star Wars TV is so awesome that like, why do we even have to worry about Star Wars in the cinema? And I would say, A, Star Wars in the cinema is the best thing in the world. So come on um and b i gotta say like star wars tv is hit and miss um so yeah and for me the like i have absolutely loved all of the five new films so i want more of that <laughs> yeah um anyway fingers crossed that that works out uh it seems like skeleton crew is Moving along nicely. They must be in post-production at this point. The Acolyte is in production right now, I guess. Ahsoka can't be far off. Uh, a lot of people speculating that we will see an Ahsoka trailer at uh, Star Wars Celebration. I would love a Skeleton Crew trailer as well. I feel like... Hmm. I also like. <laughs> I feel a bit... Um, of sympathy for whoever was like running the panel where this next movie was going to be announced. Hmm. It's going to be a bit weird. Yeah. Anyway, let's see. All right. Let's get into these, um, these, uh, last two episodes of Star Wars TV. Um, let's, uh, sorry, I'm going to bury the lead a bit. Let's go with, um, I'm I'm doing stuff on the on the TV here. Let's go with the Bad Batch first. Um, let's see. Okay, so the episode last week was called uh, Pabu. Yeah, Pabu. That's it. Because they go to a they go to a a planet called Pabu. Um. Yeah. Another. Like, kind of whatever episode for me, really. Um, y it was nice. This place was excellent. The food looked good. The people were welcoming and friendly. But I'm not sure I need to see this. Um, yeah, it was fine. Um, this week's episode, however, was a very nutritious meal. Uh, wow, it was great. Um, I gotta say, like again, you know, when when the when the episode kicks off, it, they're in some kind of like imperial hangar, I would say, 
And um, there's, you know, stormtroopers, not the classic stormtroopers, but the, the, that generation of stormtrooper armor. They are walking around and it's just like color-wise, the color scheme is totally like imperial looking. You've got stormtroopers. Um, and I'm just like, whoa, if, if we get a, um, an animated series that is um, in that classic... Um, OT period where everything looks like the OT. I reckon my enthusiasm for Star Wars uh, animation is going to shoot up pretty dramatically because um, it just looked awesome. I mean, this show looks awesome all the time, um, but uh, I can imagine if if it goes into a period that uh, I'm more into, then I'm going to be pretty pumped. Um, Super exciting, cool intro where um, Rex and Echo and some other clones basically do a raid on this transport to uh, free Hauser and a couple of other clones. Hauser is a, uh, a, a clone officer that we met uh, in the first season, I think. And he was an instant hit because he had a good hairstyle. Gotta, gotta appreciate that. I reckon Mayday is my favorite clone ever at this point. Um, but Hauser is uh, definitely up there too. Um, and it was just a cool sequence. A um, lot of action, a lot of style, a lot of movement, pace. Really liked it. Uh, that was great. Um, later in the episode, we get more crosshair stuff. Him trying to get out of there, out of, the, you know, he's in prison. Um, we get more of this stuff with Dr. Hemlock and his, uh, cloney, cloney assistant. Again, yeah, she has a suspiciously Omega-ish accent and look, adult version. Will be interesting to see if that is actually anything or if it's just a coincidence. Let's see how that goes. Um, Yeah. All around, I, again, I just feel like, man, if the show was always kind of on this kind of tone and with this amount of um, plot and story and um, coolness, I would be much more into it. But um, yeah, it was a really good episode. Um, I'm guessing, so I think we get a double episode next week to finish the season. Um. I'm expecting them to be good. Um, and I really think, like, when it comes to the Bad Batch, like, there's not a, a lot of episodes where you go, like, well, this bit was cool, this bit was not that good. It, they tend to be, like, bangers or, like, just whatevers. <laughs> so if I ever want to go back and kind of rewatch. The Bad Batch, I think it will be pretty easy to kind of sort out like a, a best of and just go through those episodes and that will probably be a pretty good time. All right, let's talk about The Mandalorian. Um, overall, these last two episodes... So, okay, so let's look at the series... We're halfway through the series. Let's look at the series as a whole for a second. 
That first episode I felt was a bit disjointed. It was good. It had some gold moments. I didn't feel like it was the um, fist in the air season uh, return or anything, but it was all right. Um, episode two was fantastic. To me, that was easily in the top five for like, let's let's include Book of Boba Fett. To me, that was a top five episode of Mando and Book of Boba Fett. Mandoverse, shall we say. Uh, just wonderful. Top to bottom. Absolutely loved it. Um, so my expectations were high going to episode three. And... Okay, what I can say is that the opening of episode three was some of the best Star Wars I've seen in a while. <laughs> Since episode two, I guess. <laughs> Short memory. Um, but it's absolutely fucking wonderful. Like, I was, like, levitating over my couch watching that. Um, it, it's just, it just was... It just ruled. Now... Because, A, because it ruled so hard, and B, I'm a bit less positive on the rest of these two episodes, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, once, I, once I've talked about the other two episodes, what I'm actually going to do is do a commentary on the whole 10-minute opening of that third episode of the season because it deserves it. It's just killer. Um so let's look at the you know the second part basically of the the episode. Very surprising, and I didn't dislike it actually. I, th I thought it was very good, um, but uh, maybe it there were there were aspects of it that weren't a hundred percent. So this is the uh, Doctor Pershing section. Um, yeah, what a surprise that they just literally just go we're gonna take a break and go spend like 40 minutes with dr pershing <laughs> man very surprising a lot of people have um compared this to andor it was very andorish sadly if you're gonna uh, uh, compare it to andor then the the, the comparisons it, it, you're not you're not going to do too well comparing yourself to Andor, sorry. Not that they were doing that, but like it was a similar vibe and tone and pace, but Andor just has me glued to the screen every second of every episode. And this, um, and I'm not the only one to say this, felt a bit slow and sometimes a bit unnecessary. Like they could have squeezed that all down to 20 minutes or maybe if they had done a more traditional intercutting of um, the storylines so that you had a bit of Pershing here, a bit of Mando here, you know, maybe that would have helped it come off better. But um, lots of really cool stuff. I love the that concept of like... Um, that these ex-imperials are in this um, kind of rehabilitation academy. I mean, when you think about it, there were million, millions of these guys, stormtroopers and officers and whatever. 
Were they all going into prisons? Were they all getting executed? No. So, yeah, how did they rejoin society? This is a really cool idea. That they first go to these kind of like uh, re-education camps, I guess, and then once they're ready, they go into these academies where they, um, yeah, are kind of monitored. Um, yeah, we see, it's weird, like Dr. Pershing is talking about his work, but apparently they've kind of said like, Maybe it's because it's cloning and they're like, like we've had enough of that for now. <laughs> enough cloning, thank you. That was uh, not a pleasant experience for the galaxy. Uh, maybe that's why they're not letting him continue with, what, with his work or if it's just a thing where like we don't care what you used to do. Like we're going to give you a job and you just have to do it. Uh, but yeah, he gets basically put on data entry for, um, for Imperial, you know, like ex-Imperial and Rebel Alliance uh, scrapyards. So they're basically decommissioning, obviously, the, the Imperial Army, but they're also um, pulling apart the, the Rebel Alliance fleet, which it's really cool to see that happening because obviously, once you get to uh, the sequel trilogy, um, things have gotten to the point where the First Order is able to rise and actually conquer the galaxy again. So um, it's kind of good to see, like, like where are the mistakes happening in this new Republic? Um, of course, there's a little bit of a feeling of, like, the, our heroes in those classic original trilogy films fought the ultimate battle of good and evil. And after all that, are you telling me that their reward is just, yep, things still suck quite bad. <laughs> That's a bit unfortunate. And, you know, I've heard people say that and I kind of agree. But it's also like, do you want more Star Wars or not? Like, if everything's awesome after the, the, Reb the Rebel Alliance wins the Galactic Civil War, then, you know, there's no more story to tell. So, uh, you know. I think it kind of has to be this way. Um, you see, like, after he's given giving that speech about uh, his research, he's kind of mobbed by these um, wankers. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like, uh, yeah, kind of um, rich folks who... Um, and, and basically, you can see that it didn't matter to them that the Empire was in control. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter to them who's in control now or who was in control back then. The rich are not. Their lives are not impacted the same way um, everyday people's lives are. Um, so that was a, a cool detail. Uh, of course, um, some people were quite excited to see the opera again from uh, episode three. It was pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, so that was cool. Um, I was very surprised to see. Elia Kane from Moff Gideon's ship turn up. That was a cool surprise. Um, obviously a bit suspicious at first, but she sucked me in, man. I actually bought that she was trying to help or trying to help him. Should have known better. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool. I liked the big dude on the subway. He was cool. 
I liked the, his friendly um, supervisor at his boring job. He was cool. Um, yeah. All, I mean, I just feel like it just wasn't that as dynamic and engaging as something like Andor or any number of, you know, shows that you can watch that are very talky but very exciting. This just was pretty good. Um, yeah, so we get to the end. She has actually set him up. He ends up in a some kind of contraption with a wacky um, Mon Calamari doctor or something. He was pretty funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, so she... You know, has fooled everyone in thinking. You know, to think that she is a um, a true uh, a true you know New Republic believer, and that she's doing this to uh, protect the New Republic. But yeah, you got to assume she's either working for Gide uh, Moff Gideon, which is you know you you see them talking about the rumors that he has escaped. Um, they can't agree on how, so it's kind of like a, a rumor that's going around. But um, yeah, it seems like he's probably out and about and um i mean there's a, a a part in that um you know in that that early scene um where they're kind of surprised by how many like there's a whole squad a squadron of thai interceptors a whole squadron of thai bombers like where are they, all these coming from so is it moff gideon or are they going to drop thrawn on us maybe let's see where that goes um so, yes, and then you get, like, this bit at the end where, yeah, Din and Bo-Katan go back to the covert, and Din is redeemed. Uh, Paz Vizsla is his usual self. <laughs> um but I was, yeah, surprised by how like smoothly that all went, and then surprised by the fact that the armorer basically says to Bo-Katan, like, "Did you go go in the living waters?" "Yes, I did." "Have you removed your helmet since then?" "No, I haven't." "Well, then you're welcome to join us." Um, and Bo-Katan says yes. Quite a surprise. So yeah, it's interesting, like. To what degree is she buying into that, really? Like, you do get the feeling like there has been some genuine moments of, of emotion from her and some genuine kind of, you know, sense that she is hungry for belonging. So, yeah, pretty good. So, I like the episode. Um, the, 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 that first part was a 10 out of 10 and the rest was, like, up and down, but pretty good. Okay, um, Wednesday's episode, the most recent one, yeah, was okay. I didn't love it, um, but I feel like I'm in the minority there. Responses online have, as far as I can tell, have been really positive. So, sorry. <laughs> I feel like I'm being a dickhead here, to be honest. Like, like, 
I mean, I, I feel this way about the Mandalorian in general. Like, I love it. Like, it has... Like, I can count... If you think, like, Mandoverse overall, I can count maybe... I mean, there's probably 10 episodes that I absolutely love, you know? But I just think there's so much kind of just okay in there as well. Um, and this was one of those for me. Um, so what were the issues? So we, we have this like, we see the Mandalorian's training. I find the visual, the look of this covert, the cave with the beach, it just is dull to me. Like it's a hole in a wall and some sand. It, to me, it doesn't look that cool. Like, look at the um, the that kind of um, the structure that they're in when they go to the living waters under that city on on Mandalore. It, it's just the the design is awesome. The atmosphere is awesome, and then this cave and the beach. It just it's a bit. Star Trek, the original series or something to me, to my eyes. Um, and then when you see all these Mandalorians training, it just looked dorky to me. I'm sorry. Um, just they're like firing off into the distance and punching a like a training dummy. And it just, I just felt, I think. Like, I'm struggling a bit seeing a lot of Mandalorians all together in general. Maybe it's just... Maybe that's part of it. Um, I watched it for the second time today, and there are actually some super obvious CG Mandalorians in that scene. One of them looks like a droid the way he's moving. So maybe that affected me. I don't know. Um, yeah. And we have this scene where I mean beautiful scene where, where you introduce Grogu there and it looks like he's moving rocks around on the beach like he's practicing his force moves <laughs> and you find out it's just a bunch of crabs who are just kind of moving around as they do <laughs> and he's just sitting there watching them that was fun I loved that I noticed so this was directed by Carl Weathers and both his episodes have started with some excellent Grogu moments. So I, I feel like Carl Weathers gets Grogu. Grief gets Grogu. Write it down. Um, but then, you know, like, uh, so Din goes, all right, time for some training, little buddy. And sets him up with this, uh, this kid, Ragnar, who is the son of Paz Vizsla, and Pazbis later refers to him as a foundling. So I think he is also an, ad an adopted son. Um, and I've I got to say again, uh, I, 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 I think I was a bit like... Um, a bit here, I don't know, like unsure or something about the child helmet with the really wide visor on it. I can't stand it. It looks terrible. Like, so Boba Fett was one of the best designs in cinema history, right? And that design looks amazing for reasons. Like, and 
that particular shape to the to helmet and the visor is really key to that looking cool. Um, I don't know why they've made the kids' helmets. Like, I mean, you can, like, in university, you can explain it and go, like, uh, kids are not used to wearing helmets, so they can't see properly. So you have to make it a bit easier for them to see until they get used to it. That makes sense. Is it so that when kids are at the toy store and go, Mom, can I get a, like a Mandalorian helmet? And the visor is like a bit weird. Then the, the kid goes like, wow, this looks just like that one on that kid on TV, which is nice, you know, of course, like always like do it for the kids, of course. Wu-Tang is for the kids. Um, but I, it just looks bad to me. And then we have this thing where it's like, all right, we have to like have a, this challenge match or whatever. And um, they choose the darts. It's a little bit, I don't know, like they just kind of like are standing two meters away from each other with these projectile weapons. And like Grogu is Grogu, so it's a bit special. But if it, there was two kids and they said all right go wouldn't they just fire at each other and hit each other i guess you could move out the way but i don't know it just felt like i don't consider myself a nitpicky person like i'm very like i love the rise of skywalker for fuck's sake <laughs> you know i'm very willing to overlook um less than perfect logic stuff if I think it's cool and uh, and I like it. Um, but this is just like that whole setup just seemed weird. Like what, you're just going to stand like two meters away and just like shoot at each other? Um, okay, but that's what it was. Uh, cool to see Grogu do something and like, you're like wow, yeah, he's, he's still progressing, still doing stuff. That's cool. Uh, and... Which leads to me another another like logic issue. So this winged beast, the pterodactylopolis or whatever it is, um, Aaron takes him away, and they chase him. It makes sense so far. That's great. The jetpacks start running out of fuel. Paz Vizsla tells, tells Din, this always happens. <laughs> I can never follow him all the way back to his uh, nest, his lair, because, or her lair, because the jetpacks don't have enough fuel in them. And then you see Bo-Katan, who I have to say, I am really growing fond of. I thought she was fine in uh, the animated shows. But I didn't particularly like or dislike her. She was just kind of good. But yep. Um, I thought she was very cool in season two of The Mandalorian. But in this season, she is she's rocking it, rocketing up the charts on her favorite uh, characters in the show. She's awesome. And you see her super fucking awesome ga uh, Mandalorian gauntlet ship flying after this uh, this winged beast. 
And it's just like, come on, Bo, do it. Um, you think, in my head, I'm like, she's going to go take care of business. I mean, we've seen her in action. She's, she's no joke, man. She can probably just go handle this. And then she's flying back. And she's like, I found where its lair is. And you're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> Why did you come back? <laughs> like, I, Now, of course, when you think about logically, like one woman and a spaceship probably could not rescue a kid from these creatures, you know. So fair enough. Um, and then they go like, Let's, we've got to put together a hunting party. And it's a bit like, like, I don't understand. Like the creature took the boy to eat him or to feed him, right? I don't really understand how, like, doesn't the creature just eat him? And he does eat him. Like it literally, you, you see the creature, he, I don't know, eat. I, it's probably a female who knows it actually regurgitates ragnar at some point to feed to the children do they know that that's how it's done that they swallow their prey and then let it let them soak in stomach juices for a while but i mean ragnar came out in one piece i i don't know like it seems weird where they're just like well let's go look for him and they're like they're just taking their time and then like Okay, we're here. Uh, it's getting dark though, so let's just camp here overnight. And you're like, dude, I, I don't under like what creature like that just takes food and then goes, kids. I know you're hungry, but I'm just gonna stash this wriggling human over here for a while, or I'm gonna stash this wriggling human in my stomach. Trust me, he'll taste better tomorrow after he's been soaking in my stomach juices for a while. Like, as I've said, I don't think about logic, but this just didn't make sense to me. It just felt like, what? Yeah, it was weird, I thought. Cool moment that um, <laughs> the, uh, whatever, Crocoturtles, Crocoturtles, Turtleopolis or whatever, that creature comes out of the water and eats the creature. I'm glad that the Mandalorians didn't kill it. Don't kill this. Don't kill the parent of these three creatures, please. Whoa, did you hear that? Sorry, I just turned on my air conditioner. The, for some reason, the, the, the tone that it plays when I turn on my air conditioner sounds like the, 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 the Terminator theme. Anyway. Um, yeah, so... Um, I think Alex from uh, Star Wars Explained came, uh, had a good point here, where the, the this is the way thing. It was people always liked it, um, but it was kind of connected to more the like the dogma of their uh, their sect. You know, keep your helmet on. This is the way. Um, but when they busted out in relation to some like good, hard, wholesome, like universal truths, like. Thank you for saving my son. And Din says, this is the way. And Paz Vizsla replies, this is the way. You go like, yeah, this is the way. Supporting each other and protecting each other. I mean, nothing. that's, that's great, you know. 
Same, like when uh, Bo-Katan told Din, like, uh, my, my father died defending Mandalore and he busts out a big, strong, this is the way there. And it's like, yeah, that, 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 that elicits emotion in me. Um, so that was good. Uh, where does it go from there? I've, I've, I literally can't remember. Hang on. What happens? After that, oh my god! I'm gonna have to. I'm literally. I'm gonna have to pause the podcast so I can re remember what happened after that. Ah! <laughs> All right, I got it. So, Baby Yoda has a nice moment with the armorer. Not bad, like that. But we get a, uh, a flashback sequence. Now, it's been, you know, speculated on for, like, both seasons at this point, I think. Who saved Baby Yoda? How did he get out of the, the, the temple? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you. I'm happy for everyone who's really happy, but I'm probably going to say some things that make people think I'm a bit of a dickhead. So I'm just, just warning you, that's coming. <laughs> um... But I got to, you know, I got to keep it real, even when keeping it real goes wrong. Um, so we see, we get to see how Baby Yoda, aka Grogu, escapes the Jedi Temple uh, when um, Anakin and the 501st arrive. And. Um, yeah, we see this this scene again. I I've never liked the look of the Jedi Temple. Maybe that doesn't help. I it's sad to say this. I find the look of the Jedi now like it just it just reminds me of the prequels, and I just don't like it. So I don't know. Like I have a picture in my head of how like. Jedi could potentially look where I would go like, oh, I like that. And it's not, it doesn't have to be that far from what you see in the prequels. But when I see these like very just like standard brown robed people, it, I don't know. I don't get, I don't get that rush. Maybe the way some people do. So who saved Grogu? Well, it was the Jedi who, okay, so... For, I know like some people listening know a lot about Star Wars and so you know all this and some people probably don't know um, this aspect of things. So the, 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 the actor who played Jar Jar Binks, he did the motion capture and the voice. His name is Ahmed Best. And um, he uh, came back... Not that long ago, a couple of years ago, to do a... I think it was a, a YouTube show for for Lucasfilm called, like, Star Wars Jedi Challenges or something. It was basically like a, like a kid's game show, but Star Wars. I have never watched any of it. Um, I probably would like to have a look at it at some point. It would be fun. Um, but he kind of plays this, like, Jedi master whose job it is to train the younglings. Uh, on the show, um, and the character, it, it's kind. Of, I mean, it, 
he had a, a character name and everything, uh, even though it's not like obviously not canon or whatever. It's not a real Star Wars story, um, but he had a character name. And um, so the one who saved Grogu was him. Now, it, it, Ahmed Best came out um, publicly not long ago, a couple of years ago maybe, um, talking about how after the backlash against Jar Jar Binks, he, things got so bad for him internally that he actually co uh, considered committing suicide. Uh, so it was a really rough time for him. Um, and what you see now is a lot of people super happy that uh, he's in this episode and super happy that it's him who saved Grogu. Super happy that um, Ahmed Best is getting a chance to play a character again in Star Wars and a character that people will enjoy. Um, I... Feel free to get in touch and tell me if you know. I actually, because people talk about like, the, you know, the kind of like abuse that he suffered or from the fans or the, the bullying he suffered from the fans. Maybe I just didn't see it or wasn't in the right place or something. But I actually never saw anyone say anything against him. I didn't see his name mentioned in that way ever, as far as I remember. A lot of people disliked Jar Jar intensely, right? Um, I, I remember at Star Wars Celebration Japan, there was a costume competition. One of the costumes was a guy in a Darth Vader costume, a very good Darth Vader costume, walking with a very dead-looking Jar Jar Binks head on a platter. So, man, people didn't like Jar Jar. I just I didn't see people going after him though. Not the way that it not the way it happened like to actors in you know during the 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 run of new films recently. Not like what happened to Kelly Marie Tran or um, John Boyega. Now maybe I just didn't see it, but I just like I mean social media didn't exist back then. There were message boards, and I was a member of one. So, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't see it. But I feel a little bit that this kind of thing of like, oh, the abuse that Ahmed Best suffered and stuff. I'm like, I don't think people went after him really. They just didn't like Jar Jar. And, dude, that character was not good. It wasn't funny. It wasn't charming. You know, I've said it before. I feel like Babu Frick was that kind of like, that magic like sweet spot that they were aiming for, where it's like kind of goofy, wacky, funny, lovable. Jar Jar was not fun and not funny and not lovable. Sorry, it just wasn't. Um, did people go overboard with, you know, because like I'm not a fan of the prequels. Jar Jar is the least of the problems for me. Um, so I don't know, like, is it the prequel era, like fans who are like, or that, that generation who actually, you know, were probably young enough to really like Jar Jar and have a sense of like wanting, you know, to support Ahmed 
or, you know, protect Ahmed in a way. I don't know. But for me, it, that, that reveal that it was him, if you love Ahmed best and have certain feelings about his uh, journey since playing Jar Jar Binks, then you pro it's a, like a, a like a an, a fist in the air moment, and I've seen people like super pumped for it. Um, for me, it was like ah okay, that guy, uh. and the scene itself was alright. Um, I felt like it wasn't you know one of my favorite action scenes in the show at all. Um, again, there's that indefinable visual poetry that has to be captured for something to be really exciting or cool or impactful. To me, it was like pretty good, but not that great. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, we, so that was that basically. Oh yeah, of course, you know, other uh, people were excited to see like uh, the Nabu ship and the Nabu security forces. Um, which, yeah, fine, I guess. Um, yeah, then back to the covert and yeah, I gotta say, like, I understand that like fighting large creatures is, it's, it's been part of the Star Wars DNA from day one. Uh, episode four, you got the Dianoga. Episode five, you got the Wampa. Episode six, you got the Rancor. Like it's been there since the, since day one, you know. Um, but I'm I I gotta say I'm a bit tired of it. Um, when they go to rescue Ragnar, I mean again like <laughs> that creature deciding to regurgitate the sun and to try to feed their creature just as they're attacking. It was weird. Anyway, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's that sequence afterwards. It was really well done. Like like really dynamic. The special effects were killer. It was like very energetic. But I just found myself a bit like ah, oh, fighting another creature. Like we already fought the Crocosaurus or whatever in that first episode. Ah, oh, which is a bit unfortunate. But it was, I mean, it was well done. Um, and then they come back and everyone's happy. Nice that they adopted these three. <laughs> horrible creatures. <laughs> I guess people are going to ride them or something. That that will be cool. Um, okay. Cool thing that I liked in the end. And another thing that was pretty unexpected. Bo-Katan actually telling the armorer, I saw the mythosaur. And the armorer going, yes, we all see things from time to time. <laughs> Man. And Bo's like, no, 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 I, like, I actually saw one. And she's like, yeah, well, lucky you, I guess. And it's just like, whoa, this is crazy. Bokatan's like literally trying to tell you that she saw an actual mythosaur. It's alive. And she's just like, she, that, that's, it's so unreal to her that she can't hear what Bokatan is telling her. Crazy, man. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really liked that. Um, I liked that her 
replacement pauldron has you know has the myth myth saw on there. That's cool. I'm into that. Um, so yeah, interesting. So uh, so for me, I gotta say, like four episodes in, three okay, one killer. <sighs> now speaking of killer, it's time. I'm gonna do. You ready? Oh shit. It's not the volume. Okay, so a what? What's it called? Oh my god! Anyway, I'm gonna. No, I have to remember the word. Wait. Okay, I remembered it. <laughs> Commentary on the opening to. The third episode of season three. Here we go. We're still down at the the sacred living waters under Mandalore. Din is waking up. Little Grogu's just chilling. Love him. This, I mean, this scenery looks so good. Ah, one more of this. I'll have a boat just, can we leave now? Now, that was interesting. Uh, Din, you know, scooping up the water so he could give that to the armor to prove that he had been here. Now, this is interesting. What is it? Bo asks him if he saw anything down there. Bo, uh, Din didn't see anything. Inter like, so, of course, you know, that's why I was surprised that she just straight up told the armorer because, like, I really thought, like, okay, she's checking that Din didn't see it. She's going to keep this to herself. When the time is right, she's going to come back, go down there, grab that fucking creature, ride the mythosaur to glory, reviving the, the man, Mandalorians uh, to be once again a power in the galaxy. But no, she just, like, so she's, yeah, weird. Ah. Oh kick-ass shot of uh, of Bo-Katan's ship. Man, I love that that craft. Oh, love my subwoofer too, is that ship. Look at that shot. I mean, I'm, I'm going to hit pause on here. That shot, you see the um, those jutting emerald green crystals of the, the surface of Mandel sticking in. Beautiful sunset as they take off. Fantastic. Oh, look at this shot. I mean, it's this this part, this whole sequence is shot incredibly well. I love the interior of Bo's ship. R4 is in the cockpit with them. We're going to have some gold R4 moments later on. Like, I'm sitting here looking at this and go, going like, this is... Ah, there we go. All right, action's kicking off. Let's get on with it. Looks like a squadron of tiny deserters. Look at that. That shot to me looked a bit funny at first, and I noticed like uh, Horst Burkhardt said the same thing on uh, Blue Harvest that that the first shot you see of that squadron of tiny interceptors coming in looks a bit janky or something. But now I don't know. Now it looks good to me. Weird. Um, oh, gun comes out of the turret. Din's having a crack. I mean, dude, it is so good to just see tiny interceptors. Fucking love them. I've got a, a, a tiny Zepta model up on the shelf there. It's just such a good design. 
Look how good Bo's like helmet looks. I always thought like her that the the owl insignia on the helmet was a bit cartoony, and you know? I mean it's from a cartoon. Ah, oh, look at this shot as they're like hooning towards her castle. The interceptors in pursuit. That looks incredible. Look at the like the 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 the, 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 the whatever smoke trail of the wingtips. Such a good way to show like speed and movement. Din's blowing a few of these dudes out the sky. You see this like readout on her like ship there on her dashboard showing the like where the horizon is. In comparison with the ship, it's just like really cool, really well made. Look at this. Din jumping straight out. He's just free falling. Fast way to get there. Just falling through the air, man. Look at her. I mean, she's a a top-class warrior, kick-ass pilot. I love that, like, Din does this ridiculous jump out the ship. It doesn't, like, land, stick the landing properly. He, like, slides across the tarmac there, and you get this great piece of sound design where, the, like, the, 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 the best car just clanks nicely on the, on the landing pad. Look at this poor guy. Look at this poor Thai pilot chasing Din, and he does this... Look at that! I mean, this this is perfect Star Wars to me. This is why I wanted Rogue Squadron. Because I wanted two and a half hours of this. It's so good. Like, this is where you see why, like, it's good that Din has the, the N1. Because it's fierce! Like, I love the Razor Crest, but... It wasn't fast enough, man. Look at him. He's, like, unstoppable in this in the N1. Look at these shots, like, hooning through the cliffs. I love that, like, oh, R5, R4 just being all, like, nervous. Because she's like, I, I grew up flying through these cliffs, don't, we, don't worry. And then she almost <laughs> crashes the ship, and she says, it's been a while. And he's just like, oh, no. He's a good droid, man. More of him. I mean, the music is pumping. These green cliffs look incredible. Where is this? Ireland? Ah. Din comes in with the N1, you get that uh, sound, that Mandalorian sound. I mean, the sense of speed is so good. I mean, that's why, like, this is the thing. I want this level of quality in every shot when it comes to Star Wars. Look at that. Okay, here we go. Bo-Katan about to just, like bring it. She does like basically a handbrake turn using that one section of her ship. Blows the gut. Look at that. Drops. Almost all the way to the water. R4 is just floating in air because gravity ain't helping. I could, I could, I would happily just watch, sit and watch three hours of that. <sighs> it's not over. It's not even over, guys. I just, it just looks really good. Nice shooting. It ain't over though, guys. Look at this. Smoke on the horizon. Boom, boom. Thai bombers bombing the crap out of her castle. Very sad. Not okay. Her nice droid. He's probably dead. That's not nice. 
I like. I think like maybe Bo the fact that Bo Katan's helmet is looking more like weathered and banged up than ever before. That kind of helps sell her look to me. I think she she looks really good. Look at that shot where it just screams up in her sh ship screams up into frame. You get these three tie bombers in the distance. Boom! She just fires off a rocket, knocks one of them out. It's just so satisfying. There's a bunch of them coming in. Where are they, all these ships coming from? What Imperial remnant has this kind of shit in the hangar still? Is it Moff Gideon? Is it Grand Admiral Thrawn? We will find out, of course. Look at that! Oh, our just fallen over. You can't, I mean, an, an astromech fallen over is always excellent. Again, something that's been part of Star Wars since day one. Look at that classic cockpit shot of Din, Din Djarin. Just a hailstorm of TIE interceptors and green blaster bolts. They go to hyperspace. The theme kicks in. Wonderful. And that brings us to Coruscant. Man, yeah. I could watch that thing 10 times in a row and not get sick of it. All right, we're not doing anything else today because uh, the episode's long enough. Um, thanks for listening. Um, it will be very exciting when we get to um, Star Wars Celebration. Hopefully there'll be some news to talk about. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, get in touch. If I'm wrong about that whole, like, people didn't really go after Ahmed Best, they just went after Jar Jar thing. If I'm wrong, please let me know. Um, yeah. All right, folks. My name is Tom Sutton, and this is Styles. So I'm for everyone, especially me.